You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Got plenty to get you caught up on as the Kansas City Chiefs unveiled their Super Bowl rings earlier this week. We'll start things off with the out of structure, catching you up on all the news and notes you need to know about this Kansas City Chiefs team. After that, we're going to go to show and BK. They discussed Chris Jones' absence at mandatory minicamp and the conversations we should be having around the Chiefs' star pass rusher. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. They got more news and notes from mandatory minicamp, as well as all of the highlights from the Chiefs' ring ceremony. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Let's talk a little bit about OTAs, though, because it sounds like there are some players, and, and not surprisingly before they get heavily into pads, but some of the skill players are starting to distinguish themselves again on offense primarily. Uh, who are some of the standouts that, that you've been catching up uh, when it comes to OTAs? Yeah, it definitely sounds like, you know, and, and, and it's hard to pick between these two who we want to start with, but you know what, I'll, I'll go ahead and start with the rookie, uh, Daneric Prince, the, the running back out of Tulsa, because he made an apparently, and, and obviously there's no video, no one, no one, can can uh, see a replay of it but apparently made an incredible catch down the field um in a practice recently you know kind of twisting his body uh in in you know with a guy on him in coverage and making a catch above his head that's 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 pretty interesting man i i, I wasn't expecting to hear that out of Daneric prince a guy that seems kind of like a uh, you know a, a pretty strong runner in between the boxes you know it's going to be pretty explosive but definitely seems kind of like a traditional kind of just a strong running back you know I didn't I you know not someone that maybe I was expecting to be you know maybe looked at as a receiving threat at all so that's really cool to hear uh you know that he's doing that because man if he wasn't already making the roster before as that fourth running back I mean hearing that he can maybe make some plays as a receiver too you know he, he's he's pretty much sealing the deal here I mean I I don't see how he doesn't end up on the 53 man uh after training camp yeah that's big for him obviously his role will be on special teams and as, as a backup running back, but this running back room has to be able to catch the ball and, and pass protect and play on all three downs. It's not, you know, the Tennessee Titans over here. This is a, this is a team that's, that's going to have their running backs in the passing game. If they're going to get on the field and, and you saw last year, they carried plenty of running backs, but uh, who was the guy at the bottom of the charts that didn't get as much play. It's Ronald Jones, who wasn't as much in the passing game uh, as, as the other guys. So, I think there's an opening there uh, that could easily be filled by an undrafted free agent rookie that can play on special teams. And, and again, if he's making plays in the passing game, that's, that's icing on the cake for him. Well, and, you know, Tobe made the direct comparison to Niall Davis. Uh, you know, I, I compared Pacheco to Niall Davis last year. I thought that was a better comparison. And, it, and, and to me, I'm still going to hold, uh, hold that because I, I still like it to me. I think Prince might have a little more, 
a little more wiggle, a little more, uh, you know, change of direction. Maybe I think I think the the direct the comparison with Pacheco and Nile Davis is the straight ahead, maybe a little bit of the rigid movement. So, but all that to say is, if Tobe is saying that stags, then maybe this is where we're getting our kicker turner. You know, he I don't think he had much experience in college, but that didn't stop them from using Sky Moore as a returner last year. If they want to find a way to keep a guy on a roster and make him valuable in some way, I it would make sense that this is a way that you know maybe he is Nile Davis in that sense. Absolutely. I cringe a little bit the Niall Davis comparison. I mean, he did have that kick return against Houston to win the first playoff game for the Chiefs in, in a number of years. But other than that, there weren't a lot of Niall Davis highlights. There were a fair amount of fumbles uh, and a couple of almost catches that would have been massive in, in Chiefs uh, lore. But the thing about him, he did have speed. Uh, he was a big guy with speed. And I think that's been the formula for, for Brett Veach from day one is – he's not necessarily looking for, you know, uh, the small running back, you know, obviously McKinnon is not the biggest guy in the world, but like when it comes to drafting a running back, they definitely look at those, you know, well over 200 pound guys who can run and then they have the tools to develop into an all around player. And I think, I think he was one of the guys right when they signed him in, in the first round of undrafted free agency, we thought he's got a good shot at making this roster and with uncertainty a little bit around Clyde Edwards-Alaire's role, I think there's there's definitely a shot for him to be the fourth running back. And, you know, maybe could he, could he have a bigger role? We'll, we'll see. Well, and there's just not really many running backs on the roster. You know, honestly, Jerry and Ely, you know, he's number 80-something now. He is uh, He was announced as a wide receiver at the softball event, I noticed. I mean, they really only have LaMichael Pirine as the only other running back on the roster outside of the four that we like to talk about. So, yeah, it, it, it's not like there's much competition either. But the other guy I think that that's that seems to be getting the attention is the second-year wideout, Sky Moore, who I, I'll have a piece out uh, uh, about tomorrow, kind of looking at his rookie year and how he can improve on it and, and maybe break out in 2023. And this is maybe the first step to that is, is kind of gaining the attention of the media, right, um, kind of looking – Looking apparently on the same page with Mahomes, which is obviously super important um, as as the Chiefs try to develop a receiver for the first time in the Mahomes era. You know, McColl was kind of that first swing. And, you know, Staggs, can you say it's a swing and a miss? Because he's not on the team anymore, right? He's not this dependable receiver. I, I think you can say a swing and a miss on developing a receiver for Mahomes. This is try number two. And so it's it's good to see the early returns but this is you know it's it's kind of important you know that the chiefs get this right with sky yeah i think sky Moore is a really interesting one of the most intriguing players probably on the entire roster for 2023 right even the way his 2022 season went sure he was a little bit buried on the depth chart and this is a super bowl team and he's a rookie and andy reads offense there's there's lots of excuses there but what was frustrating to watch was it was a lot of struggles at least it appeared from our point of view mental struggles when it comes to a receiver not being in the right place at the right time that is huge for this offense if he's managing to to master that part of it really the the sky is the limit uh, pun intended i mean he's gonna he could help yourself he could i couldn't uh, he could have a monster year this this season there's all kinds of opportunity available for him it's just a matter of is he going to be able to fully integrate within the playbook, be exactly where he's expected to be and get on the same page with Patrick Mahomes. And it sounds like the early returns are positive, which is actually a pretty exciting development overall. 
Yeah, I know it is because the receiver position right now, in terms of again, like the development, you know, in in the Mahomes era, you know, we've we've just haven't seen them turn a draft pick or even any undrafted free agent. You know, we've seen it at other positions. I mean, I guess maybe Byron Pringle. Can we maybe give them credit for turning Byron Pringle? Um, that was in the Veach era, I believe. I think he was an undrafted free agent, um, twenty nineteen. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah, and 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 Stags' tone uh, says it all right there. So. They really haven't turned, you know, other positions on this team. They've been able to, you know, turn, you know, an undrafted free agent or a late round pick or just something into, you know, a, a player maybe worth paying. Right. You know, we, we have those examples all over this roster um, at the receiver position. Just it, it, it hasn't been there. You know, they've had to bring on already established players at the receiver position. So, yeah, you're, I, I think you, you hit it. You hit it on the head at, at, at first. You know, he really is one of the most intriguing players on this entire roster to kind of watch and see how he grows and develops. Because if 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 he doesn't grow in the same kind of way that McColl couldn't grow throughout his four year rookie contract, obviously they just drafted Rasheed Rice too. So that's that's try number three. But man, at some point they got to get this right, or you know, this Mahomes contract is going to you know come back to bite him, or not come back to bite him, obviously, but just hamper them, right? Because if they're not developing receivers, then where are they getting, you know, they're not, they can't pay people, you know, people like they used to. Yeah. You don't want to be in an Aaron Rodgers situation from green Bay where they just, you know, have a lack of talent at wide receiver. The chiefs are obviously very committed to investing at the position. Uh, they're, they're dropping second round picks and, and decent sized contracts to receivers every year. So I think there's, there's not a lot of worry on my end that they're not going to have competent wide receivers around Mahomes, but it would be, such a home run to have some of these second round type receivers really hit. And I mean, hit in the perennial thousand yard type receiver way in the future. We'll talk about expectations for this receiver room in just a minute, but I think there's, there's a real opportunity here and it could be uh, again, a very, very positive thing for the roster management, for the cap management, for the continuation of this offense. If Sky Moore is that guy and then Rasheed Rice maybe is a, is another one uh, this this year next year. Other standouts from OTAs real quick. Speaking of receivers, seems like we're hearing a lot of good things about uh, Marquez Valdez-Scandling of uh, softball fame. Um, it sounds like he's getting on the same page with Mahomes. The timing is looking good. Is that fool's gold? Because it was that way last year in the preseason as well. Well, I mean, you know, fool's gold to what extent? Because he had, you know, what turned out to be a pretty – average season uh for him i mean he ended up fifth in the nfl in yards per catch uh you know he had almost 700 receiving yards um i guess you know you know we they were there was talk about him being the number one wide receiver and that didn't come to fruition but i i could see it you know being the case this year i think you know just another year with having the the reps the muscle memory with mahomes on some of those intermediate routes right we we know he's got the deep vertical routes down although I say that, you know, there was there was a few times when they they could not hook up on those vertical routes because I think, you know, we, we saw it, right? Some short arm or, or maybe throw it to a long. There really is something to just having a muscle memory with a guy, like knowing his stride, knowing, you know, where he's going to be with his speed. And I think another year of that, uh, hopefully that helps uh, a few of those, a few more of those connect. Because, I mean, we did see a few of those uh, missed opportunities last year with MBS. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's certainly going to be the veteran presence. The and and ironically, given MVS, who seems like a high variance type player, ironically, he's going to be the dependable guy in the room next year. Yeah, uh, right. So he's going to be the one constant with a lot of uh, uh, really high upside players around him, and so it'll be 
he, he'll be dependent on. And he he came up big for in the uh, uh, AFC Championship game, obviously. And so he's shown that he can do it. Otherwise, he's performed exactly as as you would have expected him to. Hopefully, this is a step forward. Uh, have you heard any other players really standing out in, in OTAs so far? And, and there's only so much you can take from that type of uh, program. Yeah, no, I, one of the funnier themes of, of OTAs, uh, a mini theme was, is, is everyone talking about Brian Cook? You know, I, I think I'm, I'm excited for him. I, I, I wrote about him last week uh, as a potential breakout player, you know, a potential starter in the, in the secondary next to Justin Reed. But the thing is, is, is he's a confident dude, I guess. And, and it's a funny way of, of, of how the guys have been putting it. You know, Spags was asked about him and he, and he was like, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, right or wrong, he's going to be vocal. You know, he, you know, he, he might be wrong, but he's going to tell you, you know, he's going to tell you to your face and say it loud. And I think Nick Bolton said, if, if, if he's a hundred percent wrong, he's going to convince you he's a hundred percent right. It just cracked me up because it's like these, these are compliments. They're saying Brian Cook is a self-confident guy that believes in what he's you know thinking and what he's doing. And that's really important, obviously, in football. Right. So you can play fast. Uh, you don't have to think as much. But it's just hilarious because they're all kind of obviously, you know, as a rookie, you probably got a, a few things wrong, but was loud about it. Right. But, uh, you know, you, you do love to hear that. You know, you, you want your safeties to be vocal. Um, I love that Spag shouted that out. And I am excited about Brian Cook, man. I think he's got that safety swagger. Man, you saw some of the, you know, some some playmaking last year, uh, you know, around the ball. To, uh, obviously, the AFC Championship play is the best one. But, uh, yeah, Brian Cook, I'm excited for. Nazi Johnson, though, I, I'll shout him out, too, because Tobe did call him the best gunner in the league uh, towards the end of last year as a rookie seventh-round pick. Um, Tobe, Tobe loves to do that. I think we, we heard that about uh, LeMans, uh, you know, not too long ago as well, Chris LeMans, who's no longer with the team. Stags. Nazi Johnson, are we just are you, are you sharpieing him in? Are we uh, are we are we laminating it? <laughs> you know, he's a good bet for for the roster this year, and I think there's room for him. I think one of the other podcasts this week talked about how this defensive back room might be pretty close to set. I believe it was the editor show when our guys said, "Hey, if you if you had to list off the corners from one to six today, you could pretty much lock them in and say that yeah, Nazi Johnson mm-hmm. is on. Uh, he's a special teams guy, and I think." This year's seventh-round rookie Nick uh, Jones is going to be the next guy who's kind of in that same uh, uh, in that same mold. So if you put those uh, put those two guys at the bottom of the list and and the rest of the room is pretty well set, I think you've got a good cornerback room. Um, Nazi Johnson, you know, I, I wasn't sure if, as far as what we'd see from him on defense this year. Obviously, the Gunner thing is well, that was a huge quote. Whenever he says that, you can pretty much guarantee he's going to make the roster. Will he contribute on defense? It sounds like he's making some plays in the passing game during OTAs, at least enough to say, hey, if you have a couple injuries, he's a guy that could fill in. So uh, so I think his, his outlook is, is pretty bright. Uh, I don't know if it's Sharpie yet, but it's at least, you know, uh, pencil uh, bordering on pen. Yeah, no, Nazi Johnson is interesting because he he started, he was labeled as a safety when he was first brought in, even though he was kind of a slot corner at Marshall. Um, but then uh, by the end of training camp last year, he was playing more outside cornerback. And, and so I imagine, I think he's still maybe going to be an outside cornerback for this team. Not that it really matters, uh, you know, uh, until he actually has to play defense. But the only other note I'd have, um, talking about the DBs, uh, I heard Spags mention that Nick Jones was working in the slot for them. So, uh, the seventh round pick, 
you know, Legere Seed and McDuffie are the first two slot guys, but after that, you know, there there isn't that third slot guy, uh, you know, maybe that they had last year, like a Rashad Fenton before he was released, would have been that guy, maybe. So just kind of interesting, you know, slot, you know, being a slot capable player makes you more valuable. So that that could allow uh, Nick Jones to to you know confirm his spot on the team. Well, the other big news of the last week or so has been around defensive end Frank Clark. And we all assumed, and, and obviously Chris Jones was lobbying for it, that he would be a logical guy to add back to this roster, given how young they are at the defensive end and the edge position and how successful he's been as a Chiefs career, as part of his Chiefs career and as a, as a leader here. Now, he was released this offseason, and it's not super common for you to re- release a player and immediately sign him back before the next season starts, especially when you take on some dead money for, for letting a guy go. But it still felt a little bit surprising when Frank Clark signed with the Denver Broncos of the AFC West. Um, what do you think about that decision? you think that's a, a, a shock or a hit to the system? It seems like after the fact there were some people saying, oh, yeah, and Frank himself said, yeah, he knew he was not coming back. Yeah, and he obviously wanted to come back. I be- I truly believe the reports we all saw and talked about last week or last time we were on here <clears throat> that, you know, he was trying to get back. But, you know, I, I there is something here that, like you kind of mentioned, you know, once you cut ties, you cut ties. I think, you know, Frank did a lot for this organization. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, this team does need to get younger. And not only does that mean just having younger players at the position, but it also means letting those younger players play snaps. Right. And, and a guy like Frank Clark, you know, it's going to be, you're going to find, you're going to be hard pressed to take him off the field. Obviously he's always had his, you know, his, his physical issues. uh, But just in terms of when he's playing, you know, he's not necessarily the guy that, that might, that might end up being a, you know, a a super uh, minimal rotation guy. Right. Yeah. He's just a guy that'll probably, you know, warrior his way into playing, you know, no matter what. And then it's just, you know, at some point you do have to, to kind of hand it off, you know, uh, turn the keys over. And, you know, I think at some sort of price, maybe later in the off season, if Frank really was still there by when training camp opens up, you know, I think, right. Maybe it makes sense to just say, you know, bring him in and, and just see how it works and see, you know, see what happens if it's a low risk kind of thing. But, you know, I think they're comfortable with what they're what, what they have. And I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that they didn't feel pressed to bring Frank Clark back. In some ways, you could look at it like the defensive back room last year when they got rid of Rashad Fenton and went with basically a, a full set of rookies on the back end of the defense. You could say they're going that young on the defensive line on the edge position over the next uh, next coming season here. Yeah, no, I, that's the thing is, is it's fun. It's, in, it's exciting, right? We've all, we've all been asking for it. We've been asking for, you know, these, these first round, you know, investments at, at positions of, of value of, of, of need, like the edge rushing position, you know, they haven't had, you know, the, that, that big pick, you know, they've had their Tom Bahalis or Justin Houston's in the past, but, you know, haven't had that, that big pick lately. You know, they got Frank Clark from free agency. Um, you know, Chris Jones, obviously a defensive tackle, you know, they've kind of been, uh, he's kind of been heading the pass rush. So, you know, it's exciting to see these guys kind of get their opportunity to get the runway. And like you mentioned at the top of the show, Felix is back in the swing of things, uh, according to Andy Reid. So he's, he's sounds like he'll be healthy and, and ready to roll the rest of the off season. And then, you know, and, and you, and all that, and you, and you kind of forget, you know, about maybe a guy like Charles Omenehu, who, you know, is going to be able to bring some stuff to the, to the room in an interesting way. So. This room is interesting, man. You know, it, it, it's highlighted by the young guys, but, you know, there's there's a few other guys here that, that bring certain skill sets that kind of round it out. Yeah, they're not devoid of veterans. Now, they, they did last year go out and add 
or, or bring back two specific uh, veterans when you've got Dunlop and Clark coming in. Those are that's two holes that you have decided to fill this year with Omenahu, who's going to be an inside outside player, and and who else? I mean, it's it's young players after that. So there's some veteran presence there, but it, it, not so much as a full time defensive end, right? Yeah, no, he's he's one guy that like he's a veteran because he's been in the league for this is going to be his fifth season, but he's a guy that they sign knowing that they have some work to do in terms of getting his full potential. So it's kind of a you know funny thing there where he's, they, they as much as they have the the second and the first year players to develop, they also have this fifth year player that they want to develop into something more than just a situational pass rusher that can beat up guards, right? You know, I think that's what he kind of is right now, and and Mike Dana is always just going to be that solid glue guy. Um, rounding out that group so yeah Yeah. no I I, go ahead I can see why people would be concerned with this room at this point right so if you were to put the depth chart together today the top of that depth chart uh, for defensive end for edge is George Karloftis in his second season who was Mm -hmm. a guy that we knew was limited but had a really good rookie year then you got Mike Dana uh, the rookie Felix and then uh, Charles Aminahue who's going to be you know part-time inside part-time outside and then after that you're relying so that's four after that, you're relying on B.J. Thompson, the rookie, or uh, Joshua Kando or Malik Herring coming back from the past couple seasons where they have been the developmental guy that's been carried around. So are you happy with that room at this point? Because I think I could make a pretty strong case that you'd want to add maybe Carlos Dunlap at this point uh, or some other veteran in a similar mold to round out this room unless you're just really over the moon about – uh, FAU and BJ Thompson's development at this point in the game. Well, it, it, if you look at, if you actually directly compare, you know, the pass rush group, edge rush group, I should say specifically from this year to last year at the, at the moment, you had George Carlotta and Mike Dana, the two similar ones. And first of all, yeah, they have four defensive ends that are really kind of the, the true rotation players. And then they'll have two other defensive ends on the 53 man roster. One of them likely to be inactive on most game days. The other, you know, play sparingly on Malik Herring, kind of, you know, just eat up snaps. He was kind of that guy last year, that fifth defensive end. But it's really a four-man rotation that that the Chiefs, you know, feature in their defense. Last year, that four-man rotation was Carlotta's Dana and then Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap. This year, you, re- you replace Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap with Felix Enrique Ozama and Charles Omenehu. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty close, close comparison, I'd say. Because you like the juice you get with Felix, you may not get the same run defense, right? Frank Clark is going to be a, a you know a better run defender, which this this group may lack. But in terms of the juice you get as a pass rushing group, you you may have improved there, honestly. In terms of the juice you get on like a pass down, I don't know. Yeah, what you I would argue long term, no question. I'm highly optimistic that they've improved in the short term. Until I, get, I think it's really, and maybe I'm just being hung up on Felix's injury at this point. But until I see him on the field. Uh, it feels like you've replaced those two full-time edges with a part-time edge, part-time tackle, and a rookie who's injured. Like that, phrased that way, it sounds much worse than, than when you think about the upside kind of a multi-year. Yeah, and 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 the thing with Dunlap and Omenahue, you know, if you kind of make them the two kind of like swap for each other, you know, Dunlap he wasn't necessarily, you know, he was eating up snaps and kind of being solid more than he was like being this featured pass rushing guy. At least so many who is going to give you that ceiling to kind of be, you know, be featured um, in that way. 
and then Felix in the same way is kind of is kind of in the in the same way. So I think in some ways they've improved as a pass rushing group. But you're right. I think in the immediate future, they may lack some of that, you know, hey, just a guy that's going to play stout on the edge and, and not let, you know, a run, you know, or not let a tight end blow him up or an offensive tackle blow him up off the ball, that kind of thing. They are missing a little bit of that. Um, and so that's where you may get concerned and want a guy like, you know, whoever the the free agent is out there. But that's where maybe they, they trust Malik Heron too. This guy's been in the program for three years. He's he's a he's a betweener, he's a tweener, right? He's six three, uh two seventy-five at his pro day. Um, but I think he plays more in the two eighties at this point. He's a he's a bigger dude, man. So I don't know. Malik Heron's a guy I I've been touting since the day they got him. Um as a guy that again could just just be a, a quality guy and, and maybe round out the room and give him some of that that, that they could be missing. Chris Jones is to me the A topic happening with the Chiefs right now. And I, I just I want to throw this out because I want to be fair, and this is growth for me. Um, at times I just when I feel like there's stupidity to something, um, I just I just run out with my thought. But I want to be fair to this. Chris Jones, he is holding, or he is not only not holding out, but he's not attending mandatory minicamp, which is really not a shocker. But I just want to throw it out to both of you. Is there is there is there any is there any real case, any fair case to be made to not giving Chris Jones a new deal? Is there is there any because that's the because we talked about it, it'll get done. You're not we're not worried. Now he's missing mandatory minicamp, but still not worried. Is there any thought to the fact like hey, uh, it's not at all crazy there is a path that would make sense to not sign him for me no like (laughs) i i i think that this one's pretty open and shut i i thought the last time around ron when they gave him this three-year deal at that point because of his lack of playoff success i thought there was a case to be made then that maybe this is kind of a trial run and you give him the three-year deal, and if it doesn't work out after year one, you at least have the out of, well, he's going to be a valuable commodity. You could trade him elsewhere if need be. At this point, he has become as much of a core member of the Chiefs to me as anyone not named Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey. Like I, I think you can make a really strong case he is third on that list of the most important Chiefs. So for me, there is no case to be made. He should be the second highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL. The Chiefs should be the team that does that. And you should get this done at some point before training camp. So I I don't have that case. Serta, do you disagree here? Is Do you have an ulterior take on it? No, I agree with you. Like I think that the defense, you know, I'm excited about the young secondary. I'm excited about these young defensive ends and what they could possibly develop into. But none of this works without what Chris Jones does. Like in and last year, it's it, it's easy to sit back and say, well, you know, looking at his age, look at looking at what he's done consistently over his career. Like there is a fair case to be made that last year was the best that we're ever going to see him play. Now I still think that he's got plenty left in the tank, and, and that he is that valuable to the Kansas City Chiefs. But last year where he's in the defensive player of the year conversation, 
like he was like all season long and really being viewed as that elite upper echelon kind of defensive playmaker. Like it it might be a stretch to think that he's going to have another season like that at this stage in his career. But I just think the entire thing is built around him. And I, I think that he's so important for the young core on that defense that you get, you pay him for what he's done and you pay him for what you expect him to do, which is be the best player on your defensive line and on your defense in general. It just kind of depends on how much that's going to wind up costing you. But the Chiefs have done a pretty good job getting Travis Kelsey to take discounts, Mahomes uh, on a favorable contract compared to other quarterbacks now. And Chris Jones probably deserves to go out there and be the second highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL. Like, Eventually, you got to give out those kinds of contracts. And if they're going to do it for anybody, I'd prefer it be Chris Jones. Uh, listen, sir, to BK, I agree with you. I, like, I, like for me, it is it is hard to make sense to not pay Chris Jones. I mean, he's he is definitely in the top three of the most important, impactful players on this team. He showed it last year in the playoffs. He won the Bengal game, in my opinion. He was big in the Super Bowl. He was big throughout. But I ain't going to lie to you. I was saying this same thing last year about Tyreek Hill. I ain't going to lie. Like, last year, I re- we can go back and grab those, those podcasts. Last year, I know I was saying, no, listen, Tyreek is the fabric of this team. The speed, every like, he is the identity of this team. You gotta find a way to get him. Like you got to keep him here. There, like, him and and Mahomes. You have to do that, and they didn't. And I'll be honest: when you look on paper, they sure as hell didn't even replace him with what you thought. Like, all right, okay, they may have lost Tyreek, but they replaced him with DeAndre Hopkins or something. No, they didn't do that. They replaced him with Juju, who is the slowest twenty-five-year-old wide receiver in the history of the National Football League. That's what they replaced him with. And they ain't miss a beat, dog. Now, I feel like that is different because Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are on that side of the ball and you can help it. But I said the same thing about Tyreek Hill and they won a Super Bowl. And their offense was that dynamic. So I think I think it is at least fair to say, hey, you said it before, BK. Like he's entering age 29. He's 28 right now, but he's going to be 29 in the summer. 29 to 32. Because you pay him, what'd y'all say? Second highest paid defensive tackle? Is that more than Jeffrey Simmons? Like yeah. that it, you're, you you're pay paying him, him 25 plus a year. Yeah, yeah. You paying him that kind of money? No, nah, what you said, sort of that ain't gonna cut it. What you said of no, nah, man, you pay him for, for what he's done. No, no. He got to play at that level or close to it that he played at last year for that to make sense. He's got to play at a defensive player of the year level like he did last year. He's got to change the game and make the game easier for everybody else. Now, I believe he still can. I believe he could still do that. That's what I would do it. But he would be entering, let's say, a four-year deal, ages 29, 30, 31, and 32. And do you feel confident he can play at that level? Because that's what you need him to do. Like, you don't need him to – has he had some of these nine-sack seasons where there would be games where he was just missing an action? Like, he's not really affecting. So I, I think there is a path when you look at the age now. And I, I'll say it myself, 
I, I said the same thing about Tyreek, and that didn't that manifested in them winning the damn Super Bowl without him. I think there's one key, and it is a critical component that is different from Tyreek. They believe that Patrick Mahomes can make receivers better. Like just flat out, that that is very clearly based on where we're at right now. Their belief is Mahomes can do for receivers what Peyton did, what Tom did, what Drew Brees did. He can take guys that are average level receivers and make them good. He can make good level receivers great. He can make great level receivers all time greatest player that you've ever seen on the football field. That is their belief in Mahomes, and it's been rewarded. They won a Super Bowl last year because of, in part, that belief, and they were able to spread that money elsewhere to guys that he can't make better. And that is where it's different with Chris Jones. Chris Jones is that guy for the defensive line. The rest of the defensive line is able to do what they do. Their defensive structure is able to be what it is because Chris Jones exists. Ron, since 2017, here's the entire list of players with more sacks in the NFL in the regular season than Chris Jones. Watt, Donald, Garrett, Cam Jordan, Chandler Jones, end of list. By the end of next season, he'll be in that top five. More quarterback hits than Chris Jones in that stretch. Watt, Donald, Judon, Garrett, end of list. He's top five in that regard. This is a guy that completely alters the way that you're able to play defense, the way that Patrick Mahomes makes it possible for you to play different ways offensively. So you can't replace him. There is no replacing Chris Jones. If you end up losing him, you change what you do defensively because your defensive ends that you have right now, they're not game wreckers. They're not game changers. They become better in part because they have Chris Jones on the interior. And what you said about Mahomes and the wide receivers, like that's the safest bet on the team. Like if you have to take away from one position group and say, well, we still have Patrick Mahomes, we can get by without it. It's the wide receiver room where like, we had all these conversations before the draft about you know x wide receiver versus slot and like all and how the chiefs use them and whatever when i think the reality is that none of that stuff even matters because you have patrick mahomes and he'll find a way to hit somebody open down the field because he's so good at extending plays and doing whatever it is that he does but then it's too like if you trade him okay, you're making a commitment and let's say you get an asset back. I would assume it's not going to be a player. This would be something for like draft capital or something like that. And you say, we're going to move on from him. Okay. Like I'm not saying I wouldn't be on board with that strategy. Oh, I'm saying I wouldn't, but I, but I, I, I would be shocked if that happened. Like I would be absolutely shocked if that happened, because if you trade Chris Jones, like you're going into the season with, Tershawn Wharton, Derek Nadi, Keandre Coburn, and who else is on the roster? Danny Shelton, maybe, like, as your defensive tackles. Like, that's not where you want to be, and especially with these young pass rushers. I just think that, like BK said, he is the Mahomes of the defense, and I'm willing to bet if it's a four-year extension where you pay him big for two or three years and then you wind up getting out of it, like, that's what the Chiefs are probably looking for. That. While we're on, Chris, because, like, I, I feel confident. As I said, I think it is important to say you project in your mind that he is going to, at least for the next couple of years, play at that defensive player of the year conversation level, um, which I think he can. I, I have the confidence that he that he will. Then I, I think you have to make the move. If you are nervous about that, then I can understand you feeling different. But I'm not concerned about that. There is something that has been kind of growing 
in in me with the concern about Chris Jones. Um, and I I kind of thought it a little bit last year, and now I'm really starting to get the feel, and it's something I'm going to watch. Um, I've said this for a while. Like Mahomes is is kind of this, like this. He's in this Jordan, LeBron type of feel where, yo, you gotta have a special. You have to be a special type of great player to play with him, because you're not gonna get deserved credit that you should get, and sometimes you may get blame that you shouldn't get because it's not going to hit him like you get you get it takes a special great player like Scottie Pippen although he is he has I guess held it all in up until this point and now he's just letting it go it took a special type of person to play alongside with Jordan and you're another great player yourself because everything gets pushed on him Travis Kelsey has no problem with it like he is Scottie Pippen to another level. Like he he is good. Yo, man, let's roll, man. Mahomes is my I'm rolling with this dude. I'm staying with him. Y'all say I don't need to, I don't need any more praise than I'm getting. I am good. I'm rolling with Mahomes. I I wonder if Chris Jones has a Tyreek feel. Because I think that was a problem for, for Tyreek. I think that was a part of an issue why Tyreek potentially moved on and we're seeing it he he felt like and I'll I, listen I don't blame him I, I have my issues with things with Tyreek but I could understand like yo man it ain't all him shoot he threw that five yard pass and I took it 70 right like that like I want to I want to be thought of as to be one of the best in the game and not just because I'm on Patrick Mahomes team Chris Jones won that Bengals game yeah and and he's one of the best players in football. And I, and and I do wonder, it's different than Aaron Donald. It's Aaron Donald is the top dude on his team. It's It takes a special play. I want to see what Chris Jones looks like moving forward. And if he's now getting to a point of, Hey, I'm a two time champ. Hell I'm, I'm, I'm one of the best defensive players in the game. I should be talked about at a higher level. I I just want to see what that's going to look like moving forward. Because if you're going to be on Patrick Mahomes' team and you're another great player, you you have to take a back seat. I mean, you're just going to have to. And I think it was an issue for Tyreek. And I I if I had to guess, to me, by what we've seen, I feel like Chris Jones moves further to the to the to the Tyreek side than he does the Kelsey side. I mean, he just came out and just was open campaigning daily to get Frank Clark here. Like, I mean, he's, I think he's moving. So that is just a little concern that I'm watching for how he feels now that he is at the level he is having to take a back seat to Patrick Mahomes. So I think it's interesting. I, I agree with your premise of like Chris Jones likes getting his credit and let's be honest. He deserves his credit. Chris Jones yes. is one of the best defensive players in the NFL right now. That being said, where I do think it's a little bit different is I think because he's playing in so many postseason games, he gets more credit. Like Frank Clark is thought of in the light that he is, not because he's a good regular season player, but because of the playoff statistics, because he's considered to be that closer. And I think the same thing is true in part, at least for a guy like Chris Jones, because 
he's playing consistently in big games. And as a defensive player, man, that's how you get noticed. It's not about being great. It's about being great for a team that matters defensively. Like last year, how many people were actually watching Aaron Donald? Aaron Donald's still one of the best defensive players in the NFL. I think you can make a pretty strong argument. He's the best defensive player in the NFL. But he played on a crap team, and that's going to continue to be the case in 2023. I think by the end of the season, whether it's fair or not, if Chris Jones has another similar season to what he did a year ago, there will be people that make the argument that Chris Jones is better at this point than Aaron Donald. And it won't even necessarily be because he's actually better. It'll be because he plays on a team that matters. And so you saw him playing in meaningful moments against the Bills, against the Bengals, into the postseason. And that's the stuff that lingers in people's minds. So I, that's how he gets to the Hall of Fame. That's how he gets the credit oh, that man. he ends up deserving. Like that, well, that is the stuff that ends up mattering in the the places that he cares about. And I think with him too, like, and the Frank Clark stuff, like specifically, I think some of that is just, that's the guy that you've won two rings with. Like there's not a lot of guys left on this team who were with those early like runs. And like, they've, they've had so much roster turnover. Like I get what he's doing. They were probably never going to bring Frank Clark back. And I don't think they were ever seriously having conversations about bringing Frank Clark back. They did that last season. Like it, it's not a very chiefs thing to keep doing that over and over again, even if it's cost effective. So I never thought that was really going to be a, a thing, but I, I understand what you're saying. And I do think some of that is valid with Tyreek Hill and like what we saw, the things he was saying last year about, about Tua and like hyping up the dolphins and all of that stuff. Like I think, a lot of that, too, though, I think was organizationally, the Chiefs don't really like those guys doing a lot of public things. They don't really like them being out and about. And like Mahomes and Kelsey are kind of the exception in the Except franchise. for those two. Because, Except for because, those two. Because of who they are, because of what they've done. And if Chris Jones wanted to be more outward facing, I'm sure he could. He doesn't seem like that's something that he's super interested in personally. I, but I, I think that right was now. something that was an issue with Tyreek. Can I stop you? Can I stop you? Here. Let me stop you right here, sir, because I, I, I want to throw this to you. Do you? Th I I don't want you to tell me your thoughts, BK or Serta. I'm thinking crawl into Chris Jones's head. Do you think Chris Jones thinks he's as valuable or is as important? in his head as those two are? Do you think Chris Jones thinks he's as good at his position? I'm talking to Chris Jones, not you. That Chris Jones thinks he's as good in that at his, in his position as those guys are? I think Chris Jones knows he's not as important or as good as Patrick Mahomes. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> Mahomes. I mean, I I mean but no, but everyone should know that about Mahomes. Correct. I, know, I, think, I think there's some delusions. You think Tyreek did? I, so... You think I, Ty, I think Tyreek believes that he made Patrick Mahomes <laughs> a better quarterback. I think Tyreek believed when he left Kansas City that Mahomes would struggle more than he did. Certainly. Would you? Would you? Would you think it would be far fetched that Chris and oh God? I feel like I'm doing it, this. It, I'm so I'm I, I answered that question wrong the way that I did for a very specific reason. <laughs> you asked me, do I think that he believes he's better than Mahomes and Kelsey? I said I think that he believes Mahomes is better than him. I'm not, not sure Kelsey. on the Kelsey part of it. I'm not I sure did, on that side. No, I just, because honest to God, <laughs> I, I could position myself, sir, in my head, thinking if he's watched everything that happened after the coverage of the Bengals game, and I'm telling you right now, he was the number, we talked about it in the post game. I believe we did. He was the driving force of that W. 
That's not what we saw on TV all day the next day. That's not what we heard all day. We heard about the survival of Patrick Mahomes sprinting and runting on that on that leg, getting that first down and leading them and all the and, and listen, it was it was an amazing performance. But I'm in my head from like, damn, I, I, like every it's not easy for delusional, which these guys have to be ego driven athletes like that to just roll through and keep doing this. Kelsey is special. Kelsey is yeah. the, the perfect combination. And like you said, that's probably the thing that ate up at at, uh, at, at Tyreek. Like, damn, Kelsey and Mahomes can go and do whatever they want to do. Hell, Jackson can do oh. whatever the hell he wants to do. But but me? I, I just think that they've, they, they've built a better, like, locker room than that, too. Like, there might be some of that underlying, sure. But, like, I think everybody knows who they are and, like, what they bring to the team. And everybody knows Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the team and in the world. Like, everyone is well aware of that. But Chris Jones should feel that way. But, like, what the the decisions that he kind of makes over the this back portion of his career, too, like, he's got a Hall of Fame, like, resume and, and case right now. But, like, if you force your way out of Kansas City and you go have some really bad years at the end of your career, that could affect whether or not you wind up making the Hall of Fame one day. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, the last editor's show for about a month here as we're wrapping up what is the offseason before training camp. And the Chiefs continue to do that Yesterday, we already played some sound from the press conferences, but with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid for one last time before we see them in St. Joseph. And uh, I think a, a big player for me this offseason and, and what I was able to see and as far as the rapport and chemistry with Mahomes goes was with wide receiver Sky Moore. And this is someone that's going to have to step up as Juju Smith-Schuster moves on to the New England Patriots. And Patrick Mahomes noticed what Moore was able to do entering this offseason as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Sky's a great player. I think you can see at the end of last year how he was trying to kind of picking this stuff up and making big plays. Um, and I think that just kind of transitioned right into this season. Um, he's he's someone that's going to be, uh, be able to called upon more kind of in that same role probably Juju was in last year. Uh, but he can also go over the top and make big plays happen. Um, and another year in the offense. So I think you see with Coach Reed's offense, it's hard for those young guys sometimes to, to have an expanded role. Um, and as the season goes on, they, the, the role kind of expands. And then that second year is when they really take off. And so uh, I'm excited for him, but I'm excited for a lot of these dudes. Uh, it's, it's, it's cool to see how comfortable they are with the offense this year. Um, and uh, we're going to continue to move forward and put more and more on them so we can be the best that we can be. 
So there you have it. And this week, John, we asked readers who would lead the Chiefs in receiving yards when it comes to the wide receiver position. So you take Travis Kelsey out of it. I said Sky Moore. I understand this is a little bit of an underdog pick, but I look at Kadarius Tony. Really like Tony. If you could guarantee me he's going to play 17 games, it would probably be Tony, but I'm not putting my you know, fake monopoly money on that bet. And so <laughs> look at Marquez Valdez scaling. I still think he's more of this like deep threat and you're only going to connect on so many of those. So I like Sky Moore eating in this in the slot uh, across from, you know, what would be Travis Kelsey uh, there on the outside. I think that's a fair argument, but I think you can make a lot of other arguments too. I mean, that's the, that's the problem with this whole thing is that it's pretty easy to make a, a relatively defensible argument for, for several of these guys. Right. And it's just going to be one we have to watch and see how it plays out. So I, yeah, I can't I, disagree I, with you. <laughs> I think if you were, were making these hypothetical odds, I don't think this number exists anywhere. This would be one of those things where you'd have to fly to Vegas and talk to a bookie and say, do you want to, you want to take this on or what? Um, but <laughs> I think Marquez Valdez Scantling would be the favorite just because of the Tony injury factor. And then Tony and Moore would probably have equal odds. Uh, but I would go with more because I would trust that he would stay healthy more. Um, but again, we are just guessing at this point. Uh, you can weigh in if you find that article up on, on AP right now. Patrick Mahomes uh, also has two new tackles. This was my question to him because it's it's such an important part of what will be the 2023 season. Not the sexiest thing to talk about, but he needs to be protected. And here are his first impressions of Donovan Smith on the left and Jawan Taylor on the right. Really, I mean, really good players, uh, both of them. I mean, they've had success other places, so you know that they can play at a very high level, Pro Bowl caliber level. Um, and so now it's just about incorporating uh, them into our system. I think the best thing for him is we go against Spags. So uh, he, he does a lot of different uh, blitzes, and they're having to communicate and, and use that communication. To, and then whenever they're blocking one-on-one, I, I have all the full trust in the world. But utilizing that communication, being at the right guy at the right time, stuff that we, we work through. But uh, I think if you can get through OTAs and minicamp and training camp with Spags and get to the season, it'll be a lot easier. And before you comment, John, I, w- I want to get this quote from Andy Reid on Wanya Morris, who was working at a couple different places during uh, the offseason, left and right and right and left. And I think he's a candidate and probably battling with Lucas Niang for what would be the swing tackle position, which is really important. Here were Andy Reid's comments on Wanya Morris. I like him. I like his ability. I think that's a, that was a good pick there. So um, we'll just see see how it all how it all works out once we – once we get going, but he held his own. He rotated in a little bit with the ones, and um, as Andy does, he kind of gets everybody going there. So I'm curious to see how he does once we get going. And he's tired and mentally and physically. Let's see what happens then. I'm uh, I'm bullish on the Chiefs' offensive line this year. I'm buying into the idea that this is the best offensive line that the Chiefs have had with, with Patrick Mahomes as starter. I'm using the word bullish. Shout out to Stagner, uh, Matt Stagner. I, the stock or what, what do we call that article that Matt Sagner does? Uh, uh, now I can't, <laughs> I can't believe it. It's, yeah. The, put me a, thanks. I wasn't prepared for that question at all. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm really high. I would say that I'm, I'm bullish on, you know, what is this chief's offensive line? It's the market movers. I just looked it up. Mark, so, yeah, shout, okay. shout out to Matt for doing market movers. That's going to kick up here soon. I believe he starts that during training camp, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, stock up for me when it comes to the, the chief's offensive line. And I, I think it's not only because I think he's got the best starting five, but the depth is really going to be, I think a, a battle um, within training camp. And I, I like what 
Uh, Blaine Gabbert had to say about Donovan Smith that, you know, trying to explain to fans that this is one of the most athletic left tackles you could ever see still at the age of 29. Um, I think he's a lot better than people realize that, you know, so long as he's healthy, how many times do we say that you made fun of it last, last uh, podcast, John, about how often we say, should he stay healthy? But uh, apparently he's a 100% right now. So I like Donovan Smith on the left. I like Juan Taylor on the right and the chiefs seem to really feel that they got one in this third round pick Wanya Morris, as far as potentially a first year contributor as that, you know, if someone needs to play off, if mm-hmm. someone gets hurt, yeah. can slide in at any tackle position. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's reasonable to to call him the the best offensive tackle, best offensive line that Mahomes has had. I mean, I don't think it's hard to say that Donovan Smith ought to be at least equal to what we got out of Orlando, uh, Orlando Brown yeah. Jr. and um, and I think that Taylor is a clear upgrade over Wiley. And that's not to and that's not to say anything bad about Wiley. I thought Wiley did a respectable job at right tackle last year. So yeah, I agree with you. I think I think it's pretty easy to calculate that this should be the best offensive line Mahomes has had. Yeah, and I I know I, I we should preface that or I guess post preface. I, I don't know what the word is for that, with uh, the, the disclaimer that you know the pads have not come on yet. So Sure. I've never seen Wanya Morris in pads. You know, I have the luxury of having seen the Bucks tape of Smith and you know Jags sure. and, and Taylor and some of the Chiefs. You know, they they played these guys over the years, so that's part of the reason that they brought him aboard. Watch on. I was just going to say that that uh, all of that is true. We we have to have that disclaimer, but it's better that Reed is saying he's been impressed with what he's seen so far than not. You know, so. Uh, yes, we can't make a lot of conclusions, but the but the data we have is is positive, and that's always a good thing. All right, well, we'll go to the final quote from the Mahomes and Reed pressers, and I just thought this was a nice little nugget of because you're always wondering. Well, Patrick Mahomes is the best player we've ever seen. Fact, right? But how does he get tested then? Because at this <laughs> point, right, like you know, he should be impossible to test because he's won two Super Bowls. He's been clearly the best these past couple of years coming off a double MVP where he's regular season Super Bowl MVP. And here's how Andy Reid still gets the greatest the game has to offer. 100%. I know it already. Um, it's so first of all, you can see I'm still sweating from the conditioning test we just ran. Um, but uh, I think the, the hardest memory I remember was the before I put that Titans preseason game my first year, um, I went into like we got group install um, and I remember like, I knew the plays, but I got up there and Coach Reed told uh, Nagy to call the play, but don't tell me the formation. And so he, he just wanted he wanted me to be able to rattle off the formation without knowing what it was and just, just call a play and let him do the formation. And I remember it, it just it just shocked me. Like, I knew him all. And it's like my mind just went completely blank. And so I just got up there, and I, and I remember there was a play, and it was literally like five words, which is like the one play in, in Coach Reed's office, not like 15 words. And I was so flustered that I forgot it. I forgot the formation. And so it, it's, it's stuff like that. He keeps you on your toes. And, I mean, I know it's hard physically for guys to get through, but I don't think people understand the mental side of it is like you're thinking the entire time. And I think that puts as much stress on you as the physical toll. And so, uh, especially at the quarterback position, you have to stay on top of your, on top of everything. Cause coach, you don't never know when coach Reed kind of throws those curveballs at you. Can you just recap what the setting of that was? That was the yeah. So it was, you know, that fourth, it was used to be the fourth preseason game. Um, the, the younger guys get the play, the older guys get the game off. Um, and so I got to start that game. Um, and so it was the last like, group install like where we were going to run through all the plays and do that different type of stuff and 
I knew them all. I studied them all. Um, but I, I remember I got in there and I, and Coach Reese said, "Don't don't call the formation." So he literally he would call the play, and he wouldn't tell me the formation. He just expected me to know. Um, and so that's 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 Coach Reed for you. So now I know. Ever since then, I've always known the the, the formations. I never <laughs> never if you call a play, I, I know the formation off the top of my head. You were younger then, obviously, mm-hmm. you've grown so much. But does he do anything during training camp that can challenge you at this point in your career that where he can get you something? Yeah, no, hundred percent. He. Um, he he always asks he'll he'll ask like little questions that you kind of lose track of throughout a long training camp practice you might be just going through uh, you're running plays with all back to back to back he'll just ask you what's it down in distance of that last play and so it, you're like man we've ran eight plays in a row I, I don't it's it's and it's like second and seven all right and you you did not even thinking about you're thinking about the play and getting everybody lined up um, stuff like that or he'll ask you um, well how much time was left on the the play clock before you snapped it. And so it's just stuff like that. He wants you to make sure you're seeing everything at the, the whole entire time. And so when you get to the game, it's easy. Um, and so he just keeps you on your toes. And it's little things like that that whenever you continue to learn. And, like, I've gotten to a point now where I know the formations, know that different type of stuff. He wants to make sure that you're paying attention to the littlest details on every single play. This is the argument of, like, well, anyone could do it with they had Mahomes. No. No. Mahomes wouldn't be as good without Andy Reid. And Andy Reid wouldn't be as good without Patrick Mahomes. And I, I, I've said it a number of times. This is just my belief. Like, I think Matt Nagy's the next coach. That's a good thing, considering he's in house for the next X years that Andy Reid has, because mm-hmm. you're, yeah. he's going to be able to mimic what Andy Reid is doing. Gave it a shot in Chicago, didn't work out. Now he's back. He probably learned a lot of what he did wrong in Chicago, and he'll have now an unknown amount of years to see what Andy Reid does, why the chemistry between Reid and Mahomes is so good. And when it's time, similar, I think, McDaniel in New England, and this version of the McDaniel situation is actually going to get the head coaching job because that never happened, is going to be able to, I think, seamlessly transition. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a chance Andy Reid has to last another five years, right? I, I, I say it all the time. Andy Reid is six years younger than Bill Belichick, just looks a little bit older. So Belichick doesn't get these questions. Um, but, you know, I think when that time comes, Nagy is going to be ready to step in. And there's such a rapport of this trio there, mm-hmm. which is why it was important, I think, for the Chiefs to find Eric Bieniemy uh, an opportunity a- as well to kind of get Nagy into like that top position where they want him to eventually, you know, be that guy for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and then back to the read point, it's just, I think, a window into what is made him so great and then you know even before Mahomes you go back to uh, Alex Smith and Michael Vick and Donovan McNabb those quarterbacks so great I don't think any of those quarterbacks are as great as they were without Andy Reid I completely agree I think this story uh, explains in great detail and demonstrates in great detail how smart Andy Reid is and that's something that we don't always credit quite in that way that he's an extraordinarily intelligent man who is not only smart, but knows how to treat people, which is why he is uh, seen as a player's coach and why players talk about how they'll do anything for him because he's that way. It's rare to find uh, that combination, someone who's so extraordinarily world-class intelligent and also has the ability to interface with people uh, in, in a, in a positive, successful way. And I think that's, that's, something that we have to remember about Reed is that he has both of those qualities. And 
it's also demonstrated in his choice of slogans for the year. Edge is excellent. I mean, I don't think I, I would surprise you to, when I say there's never been a Super Bowl ring that said eliminate bad football uh, on the side of it, because that was a terrible slogan put forth by a previous uh, Chiefs head coach, and he didn't get a chance to put it on a ring. I uh, I always try to figure out what the slogan is. Uh, I must have like not thought about it last year because I didn't look really yeah. look into it, and this was surprising to me. Uh, I will be on the case when I get to training camp, and I'll try to relay the, the slogan for 2023 because it's different every year, even though you win. Right, right. For example, yeah. in 2020, uh, it was run it back. Um, you know, came up short, but that was something that everyone really bought into. Usually, it's it's just it encompasses what the the team's goal is for that year. Uh, I want to, and this is for for my guy Steve behind the scenes here. I want to tease from the podium because I thought the mandatory mini camp pressers were actually good. I don't always think that. I'm not just saying that. So I, I, if you want to go back and listen to the pressers in full, this week we had Travis Kelsey, George Karloftis, Clyde edwards Lair, Joe Tooney. You can skip that one. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, <laughs> Jerick McKinnon, and then Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes from the podium. Uh, go check it out. I, I thought, John, usually, you know, sometimes they're not as good, but this was right. a very good week right. of press. No, I agree. Most of them were excellent. And I'm sorry, Joe, but, you know, we're just – we just like to have a lot of it's information not, in our answers, me, and you don't give a lot. That's let me all. tell you something about Joe Tooney. It's not his fault that he's so bad at the press conferences because, <laughs> you know, Chiefs PR does a good job of making sure players don't say certain things, and so does Patriots PR. It is like chocolate coated on chocolate. Like sometimes there's too much <laughs> in a candy, right? Like I don't need like a chocolate double chocolate fudge donut. Right. And that's that's Joe Tooney at the podium. It's just too much PR departments. There's just too many coatings of like extreme PR that have prevented (laughs) him from saying anything interesting. All right. Uh, I want to get to five things. I think after minicamp, I I broke it up into three categories, two on offense, two on defense um, and one general. I'll give my two offensive takeaways as we enter a training camp here, John, let you weigh in. I'll do defense. Let you weigh in and then the general. So the first two offensive things, these are things I think after minicamp heading into training camp, I think Deneric Prince, the running back, uh, is the ultimate wild card. When you talk about undrafted free agents, we should be getting exciting, excited about, which I'll get into a, se- a second for the 17th time. Deneric Prince actually fits <laughs> the mold because he could see the field this year. He's already the starting kick returner in my mind. Uh, he has been compared to Niall Davis when it comes to special teams. Uh, I've seen what he can do when he catches the football in the backfield and how quickly he can turn on his gear. Had it not been for him being a little bit raw at pass protection, I think Jarek McKinnon would maybe be in trouble uh, in a sense. I think Jarek McKinnon will start the year in that position, and who knows if uh, Prince's pass pro can get to a point by the end of the year, maybe he's that two in that one-two tandem. Jarek Prince is a, a certain bet for making this team and i think pass protection is going to be a huge thing for him as far as how much playing time on offense he's able to get for this year and uh that goes back to brett veach two years in a row i think he really nailed that seventh undrafted which are almost the same i mean you're taking someone the same as you think someone else might outbid you or something like that but uh but prince um was brought here john i see you have something to say already good i was just going to point out that uh mckinnon isn't going to be here next year I right. think that's the, the the key thing to remember here is I think it'd be real surprising for McKinnon to get another season with the Chiefs. So it's important for Prince to get that opportunity to get out there and show what he can do in pass production. In other words, 
fulfill that role that McKinnon speaking uh, fulfills of in the offense. Speaking of from the podium, you know, and I don't want to put words in his mouth. So it's just my takeaway from the press conference. Like McKinnon was giving me, this is my last year vibes at his turn mm-hmm. at yeah. the presser anyway. So maybe, maybe they said to him, look, you don't have to work the off season. That was confirmed where he, he just didn't have to practice, which was really nice for a 31 year old running back. And they might've said to him, we got this guy who we think can be really good. Maybe a mentor him for a year. You're still going to be our guy as far as, you know, the third downs go. And, uh, you know, let's roll. Uh, I'm sorry, I got Andy Reid rubbing off on me. Um, <laughs> and then my second offensive point, John, is in the wide receiver room, uh, Richie James has trumped Justin Watson for me. I know that we've talked about the money and Watson has the 1.4, whereas Richie James has the 500,000. Uh, but as I said, we're with generic Prince. I expect to be the kick returner. I expect Richie James to be the punt returner. He showed me a little bit of something on offense that I didn't see the one day of mandatory minicamp. I believe it was Tuesday. Kadarius Tony couldn't go, and Richie James got got to work a lot more with Patrick Mahomes, and he you could see why he had 500 yards last year in the NFL. Remember, you know we're looking at players with yardage and snaps in the NFL. That's the the main thing here, and uh, I think if anyone is knocking on the door to me, uh, it would be John Ross, uh, Amir Smith Marset, and then Justin Ross. So to me, I'm ranking Justin Ross ninth because he oh, can't man. stay on the field, and when he's on the field he doesn't look like he has that much first to me and to take the fastest player. Maybe you have on the potential roster in John Ross and to rank him ahead makes no sense. John Ross looks healthy and I know the chiefs like him uh, for his speed, but I think if any of those hopefuls were to knock off a receiver, I think the chiefs much like they did with Jermaine Carter would throw the 1.4 away first, you know, or try to maybe move Watson uh, before, um, before Richie James, because I, I think Richie James is re- locked in as the punt returner. So that was a a, a change I made in my mind for the die the diehards, right? Like who really focus on these things. I now have Richie James in the wide receiver five spot, and Watson is my wide receiver six. Well, I I made the point last week that I think Brett Veach likes to spend a little bit of money to buy some insurance for himself mm-hmm. uh, going into uh, going into the draft, and I think that's what he did with Justin Watson. And you just made a point that uh, struck me is that Watson's contract would make him eminently tradable for a team that needed a wide receiver who's reliable. And, you know, that maybe didn't get, you know, six or seven different wide receivers who could make their team Mm -hmm. (laughs) through the offseason process. Watson might be a very attractive candidate for a trade uh, because his contract is excellent. Um, you know, he's, he's very inexpensive in his second year. You, you trade a seventh round draft pick for a couple of years of Watson. That's a good deal. So maybe I that's the way he, that, that Veach is thinking about call it. Call me crazy, but I think you can get into six, five range for Watson, where it's a sixth conditional on how many snaps he has into a mm-hmm. fifth. I, I yeah. really do. I mean, I think he, he's that type of player. And again, um, constant apologies to the the Justin Ross truthers. I just don't see it again. Yeah. And, um, and just for the record, it's at PG Sween. <laughs> so let's just be when, clear when, about how you get in touch with Pete. You know it's what? Not... <laughs> uh, I'm ready for the mentions on 53 cut down day when he makes it, John. It's it's not going to be pretty. All right. On defense, uh, I said this before. I think the six cornerbacks are set uh, in stone. Uh, Legarius Sneed, uh, Trent McDuffie, uh, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, uh, Nazi Johnson, and Nick jones uh johnson and jones were good nazi johnson is a mortal lock for the team i I know that he was taken in the 
rounds last year, but Dave Tope calling him the best gunner in the league potentially at the end of last year locks him in. Nick Jones looked really good as a seventh rounder. You got to perform in the offseason. That'll have to continue in training camp. If there's anything to watch uh, in the cornerback room, to me, I learned from camp, uh, it's DiCaprio Boodle. Boodle was getting a lot of play this camp because uh, Legereus Sneed and, and Trent McDuffie didn't get to work that much. The Chiefs were being precautionary with, with some issues that they were having. And so I think Boodle might have some inside, outside, upside. I, I think I saw that during during camp. We know that Steve Spagnuolo said that he's looking for another nickel that could maybe be a guy if they want to leave uh, what were Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie on the outside. And so it would be nice to have the new Rashad Fenton in a way. And I think Boodle's a candidate for that. So he would be the one if there is a one, but I don't think there's going to be a one. Like I said, I, I think it, it is locked in, but the thing that Boodle has on his side, John is a couple of years now working with Steve Spagnuolo. Right. But that's going to be true of uh, Nazi Johnson as well. And, uh, and I think they like Nico Jones. I, I think you're right on with this, Pete. I think those guys are, all but set certainly four of them the last two would be the only ones that'd be questionable but those guys look pretty set too and uh boodle you know we're at the point now where the chiefs are going to be cutting guys who are pretty good yeah that's where we're at when you have a deep roster this is what happens you've got guys like justin ross uh, johnson watson excuse me who could be uh, a productive player a veteran the, who's not who might not make this team so I think the, this is the where out- we are the outgoing waivers are going to be interesting this year. Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. wonder if there's a couple of young guys that get picked up. Yeah. Uh, and this is my first bold prediction of 2023. Here we go. Oh boy. Oh boy. Keeping in mind that Justin Reed could uh, sell you. I was saying uh, this is a, a, a good disclaimer as well. Keeping in mind that Justin Reed could sell you a bag of beans for $100. Great on the mic. He he's, he could sell you anything. He was open this <laughs> camp in saying that he wasn't fully comfortable with the defense until December of last year Uh, going back to you know when they signed him they were really excited about what this kid could do as far as replacing Tyron Matthew and doing everything now it's a completely different thing and I thought he had a pretty good year aside from uh, mixing up the the Bengals skill position players I thought he had a pretty good year (laughs) and and again not really even really understanding the defense it reminded me a little bit of when Patrick Mahomes said he was making it up as he goes along this initial year until like halfway through the year and he was just playing really well Um, so this is the first bold prediction of the offseason I think Justin Reed is at least a second team all pro safety next year and that has a lot to do with Steve Spagnuolo and what he's able to do and also the a variety of different ways that they can use Justin Reed. You know, you can use him uh, in the the backfield almost as a free. You can put him in the box. He can defend the run. Hell, Steve Spagnuolo likes to blitz these guys sometimes. I think Justin Reed could be a cornerback for you. He could play that slot position. So similar to Matthew, you can do a lot of different things. I think the big difference is from week one on, he has a little bit more of a grasp of the defense, and I think that's going to lead to more interceptions, which usually gets you – into the range of like that second team all pro. So I don't maybe not the boldest prediction in the world, but I think when you, whenever you're saying the words all pro about a player who has never been an all pro, it's a little bit of a bold prediction. Well, I think that what you're saying fits in with what has generally been observed about Reed last year is that he wasn't great in the beginning of the season. And then towards the end, he was better. Right. So, you know, that, that his now admission that he didn't really grasp the defense well until December fits in with that observation that's been made by more than one person, frankly. So uh, you may have, you may be onto something there, Pete. We'll just, we'll just have to see. Yeah. 
I'm going to save that clip. Uh, <laughs> Get your receipts right here. <laughs> and uh, this is just a general point, and we'll talk about more injuries in a second. I don't get the feeling running back Isaiah Pacheco or defensive tackle Turk Wharton, who had offseason surgery, they both did, will be ready in a month. If they weren't able to do anything in this camp, which there's barely any contact, it's, I'm just finding it hard to believe that they will definitely be ready. Now, that isn't to say they won't be ready by week one, but I'm foreseeing the PUP in the future for Pacheco and Wharton. Um, so I, don't, I don't know how much we have to freak out about that other than um, – polarizing player number one on the Chiefs Clyde Edwards-Alaire would be in line to probably getting a lot of touches early on in training camp yeah well you've gotten people freaked out congratulations way to yeah. go Pete at PG Sween once again <laughs> yeah I just I don't know I have played well, I think you're right I think two surgeries right. torn yeah. labrum shoulder and I I I actually think both of them will be available for week one. I just, yeah, I know that when we get to that first day, the clicks will be coming in, which we like, but not for a good reason. And that's because Pacheco and Wharton will be on the PUP. Other injuries that happened during uh, the offseason, Blake Bell had an appendectomy. That, that, I think he should be fine uh, by the time training camp starts, but that's something where you just need to rest. Uh, safety Mike Edwards uh, had a hamstring issue. Cornerback Trent McDuffie had some stress on his fibula. Cornerback Legere Sneed had some knee swelling. I think all those guys will be fine too, but remains uh, it remains something to be noted. And right guard Trey Smith uh, had a, a strained tricep. He looked fine last night. Uh, he was in the biggest suit that I've ever had. I don't know where these guys get these suits, these big red suits. Uh, I, I heard him say he, he feels okay. You know, I imagine a month off um, and doing the right things as far as any kind of rehab for that will be okay for him to go in the meantime uh you know the chiefs have nick allegretti who can go at either guard position so if he, he did have to miss the beginning i think he'd be okay but andy reed said most of these guys will be good to go to me that means the five i just listed will be able to go at the beginning of training camp like i said i think the ones to watch are pacheco and warden on that i think that's a i think that's a good estimation we'll just have to see how it plays out as always all we can do is give our best guests uh, guesses mm-hmm. in these situations because well, there'll uh, be an update sometimes at, we're working yeah. with very little information really there will be an update at the beginning of training camp andy reed patrick mahomes and the rookies get there first and that's when we'll find out more information about sure these guys and where they stand nothing to freak out about right now right these guys just got their rings and uh you know on the pacheco front it's not preventing him from dancing this guy he's still he's still going on a tiktok and, and doing his dances he was <laughs> dancing a little bit on the red carpet last night so it, it seems to be headed in the right direction